Quest episode 342. I'm your host, Mike Epps, aka Wheels, and with me is Alex. Uh, fire, David Prairie Family Master. It's been a long week. It's been a long month. Yeah. Well, it's I know it's February 1st, but like that was a long month last month, and this one promises to also be a long month, so. Which is not a good uh, sign, considering it's the shortest month of the year. But it's the longest version of the shortest month of the year. Yeah. Well. <sighs> but, yeah. Uh... So, what, what have we been up to? Uh, Destiny? Okay, I officially don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of news to cover. There is some Destiny news uh, uh, because the uh, director of the game is leaving Bungie, which, um, considering it, he apparently... How many Destiny 2 directors are we at? Not sure. Uh, apparently he, this one, briefly left the company a few years ago, so then maybe this was something he'd been planning to do at some point. Anyway. Uh, but anyway, he's, he's hoping to... Finish up things for the last shape. Uh, it's a trapezoid, sorry. Yes. Right. And final shape uh, then we'll be will be a trapezoid. In uh, a lot of people, because, you know, streamers need content. Or talk about this like the the sky is falling, but the way I see it is he's being, re being replaced by like a bungee lifer who has probably... I believe he was also a bungee lifer, but still. Uh, okay, so another bungee lifer. Yeah, it's just one of those, like, this has been thrown to the wolves. Like, it's just uh, another, uh, like, uh, bungee I passing. I think this one was joined after Destiny was already out, but I'm not sure. Let's look. to director... Okay. Uh, Joe Blackburn. Let's check his LinkedIn. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing research. Wikipedia page. Oh, this is a completely different Joe Blackburn. Yeah, that's kind of the problem. Who seems to have There's played. a lot of Joe Blackburns running around. He played hockey for Michigan State. Okay, so let's... Uh, I'm going to... Uh, look. Let's try Moby Games. Let's see what they have for his credits that night. Uh, elucidate some things. Okay, Moby Games only lists Destiny 2. Oh, there's a LinkedIn. Game director on Destiny 2. Okay, so he was at Bungie uh, from 2020 to now. So before that, he spent a stint of about 14 months at Riot. 
then before that, okay, yeah, he had only been at uh, Bungie for a handful of years. He was seemingly hired on as a raid designer. Okay, that's what I thought, because I thought I read somewhere that he had joined as, like, a fan of the game. Yeah. So before that, he was at uh, ZeniMax uh, helping design Elder Scrolls Online, looks like. Hmm. Commander MMO. Maybe time to take another look at that game. No, it's not. People seem to to people who play MMOs. It seems to be a decent one. Yes, yeah, I've heard. It just takes time, and also it's Elder Scrolls. Yeah, uh, yeah, it is. And uh, happier Destiny Two news: they announced a collaboration with Mass Effect. That's super weird. There probably won't be another Mass Effect game for at least five years. Yeah, probably not. Bioware makes one game at a time now. We are not. We have long since left behind the salad days of having a uh, a Mass Effect team and a Dragon Age team, hmm. uh, and oftentimes at least one more team. <laughs> There's one team. It commits to one project at a time, and uh, that is uh, that's. Uh, I'm still excited for Dreadwolf, but it's gonna take a. It's still taking a minute. Mm. Uh, but yeah. So, uh, De Destiny is still happening. There is no escape. Nope. From Destiny. Sorry. Uh, should we move uh, to that? To some of the Sony bullshit. Well, first I was gonna briefly highlight that uh, Sega appears to be the latest in the like spin the wheel do a random amount of layoffs although this is i'm not sure if this is better or worse i would actually say this is worse because Sega of america is uh seemingly doing targeted layoffs to try to undermine the burgeoning like qa union it's kind of gross so that's fun nah, it's... it's not fun it undermines the nice Sega news i wanted to talk about yeah, because there's a bunch. Yeah. There's, like, they've been, like, they, like all these nice uh, QA people and localizers that just put out two giant-ass RPGs. Uh, get, uh, get their thank you is uh, corporate saying to get bent. So that's fun. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's, this sucks. Layoffs uh, are not good. You, it's not good. Just, just, just accept the union. It's better for everyone. Uh, Godspeed to the Aegis Union. Um, but yeah, so with that misery, uh, like I want to say more, but there's nothing more to say. We've said it time and time again. As companies have done baffling amounts of layoffs for almost no reason, or when they do have a reason, terrible reasons, and I'm tired. Uh, so moving on to the... Primarily, American companies. Yep, or American branches of larger companies. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, fucking... Uh, uh, but yeah, so... 
Now we can get into the news. Yeah. Sony had a state of play. Play. It was mostly really boring. Yeah, it really was. It's, I don't think anyone expects different from State of Place at this no. point. Unless, like, you're just deep in the tank. Like, I think this is, like, the fourth time I've seen Helldivers 2 at one of these. And I think this is the fourth time I've been like, God, I can't remember what this fucking game's name is. <laughs> uh, I had kind of the same issue with, like, Stellar Blade, which has shown up at at least three or four State of Plays. And has every single, like... Uh, a friend of mine was saying, like, oh, it sort of looks like the like a Fallout 4 mod, and I was saying, oh, it kind of looks like Near Automata, and then by the end, we, we came to an agreement that it sort of looked like if someone described uh, Near Automata and Fallout 4 to someone who had never seen either, and that person proceeded to make a game based off that description. Oh, I was fully convinced it was a Near Automata sequel, because I had missed the I don't know if they said the name of the game at the start. But... I think they did. It has a, because Stellar Blade is a really generic name, it's really easy to forget. Uh, I would have never mistaken it for a Nier Automata sequel, because as much as I don't find Yoko Taro's style interesting, this is not aesthetically consistent. Like, it is not aesthetically weird enough. It's, no, I agree. But it's, uh, it's just like... Slightly it is creative. Enough. Yeah, it is. It is definitely attempting to creatively like borrow from the the near automata aesthetic in a way that's probably not fully healthy. Mm. Uh, let's see. Let me keep going. Translation and... is probably not as good, <laughs> which is impressive because the. Uh, the combat in Nier Automata I would describe as like being straight at the Platinum Mendoza line. Mm. But, you know, that means that like it's fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll see. Like, I like Stellar Blade, Stellar, Stellar Blade is made by a Korean company who I've never played anything by, so I can't like immediately pass judgment. It's just like Sony has pushed this game like three or four times and never put forward like an argument for what makes it stand out i feel like that's that might be a marketing that might be marketing failing it might be a problem of the game just being uh built to uh reach some sort of like specific quota of like we don't have enough x but ultimately somewhere along the line the communication on this game has been poor in the sense that they've never communicated like what m makes this game stick out like it looks like the purest definition of something that gets like sevens because there's nothing particularly wrong with it but nothing that actually makes it stand out yeah um, let's see it just is something that'll fill the time. It comes out in late April when not a lot is coming out, so that's probably for the best. But uh, otherwise, it's uh, like it's it's buttressed by a a good release date, but uh, not much about the game itself. By that point, you will probably still have some combination of FF7 Rebirth, Rise of the Ronin, and Dragon's Dogma 2 to play. Mm. And the trailer for if you are a PS5 looked looked nice.
I look sick. Yeah. Can't wait to play that Super... on Xbox and not PS5. <laughs> oh, I'll pick it up on something. Uh, it might be a bit, because I'm just mad. Uh, I forgot that... Oh, God, I forgot they... So, like, so much of Sony's output this generation has just been, like, try to fill the giant release gaps with remasters. And I forgot that they announced an Until Dawn remaster. A remaster of, once again, a game that looks fine and you can play on your PS5 already and you could probably find for five <laughs> bucks. Uh, there's, there's not... Like, it's not a huge gameplay experience. I don't think there's a lot they can conceivably, like, add to it or clean up about the experience. It's just, here's, here it is. We would like you to pay $50 for it instead of 5 I'm assuming that they'll, they'll put it out at, like, the quote-unquote budget price of $50. Um... The, they announced Dave the Diver for PS5. I honestly assumed that had already been announced, but apparently yeah, not. Same. And then the baffling Dave the Diver crossover with yeah, it's Godzilla. 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 Wait, no. Um, the uh, after ten years of having announced a studio and then never said jack shit. The, uh, Ken Levine, the lead designer on Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, which is a much more ignominious thing to have been lead designer on, has uh, has announced his new game, Judas, and that's just Bioshock. You can't trick me, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's Bioshock in space, which means that technically it's System Shock. Um, it... Uh, like even if even if they had just shown like pictures of it, like just the way your weird gnarled hand looks when you're about to shoot someone with electricity is just like that's just Bioshock. You just did Bioshock again. How did it ta- how did this take you ten years? Don't understand. Uh, so like I, I assume studio at least, already beat you to the punch. Oh, like five studios at least tried that's to do true. Bioshock. Um, what I would say about this is like I'm, I'm sure that a lot of that was. Probably a number of projects that they couldn't find publishers for, and eventually they end up on uh, Let's Just Make Bioshock again. Uh, I have not a high opinion of Ken Levine at this point, given the way that Irrational Games shut down, mm-hmm. and given the content of Bioshock Infinite, so I'm not super interested in this. I loved Bioshock 1. I have no particular interest in what he has to do now. Um, Here, Bioshock 2 is really good, and it did not involve him. He, yeah, he had nothing to do with it. So, you know. uh, but yeah, let's see what else did they show. Oh, this wasn't there. Like, this wasn't there, but Fireminder brings up the review for Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is in. And it seems like a Tales game with a bigger budget, more effort put into it. Yeah, our reviewer gave it a four out, four point five out of five, which is higher than what, like a Dragon Infinite Wealth got. So. Also higher than I've seen it score elsewhere. It seems to be like not polarizing, but it is like there's a range on it. People yeah. seem to be uh, like some people seem to be much higher on it than others. Uh, okay. I hear that it's actually quite short. Yeah, which, which is impressive for a game that was in development for like eight years. Which hey, speaking of games in development for eight years. <laughs> speaking of games that were in development. Speaking of games that were in development for eight years that are apparently super short, <laughs> uh, Suicide Squad, which is apparently clocks in at like nine hours. Oh, God. 
they paid all like when i say all i mean like literally all of the destiny streamers i watched to play that game this week it looks fucking awful oh yeah it looks dreadful the graphics um, looks like shit the gameplay looks like shit like they look very technically impressive but the art direction is just miserable it's just not good yeah, that game, that game looks like uh, development on it must have been hellish. Like, that must have been not a fun project for anyone involved. And this was apparently, like, crack number two or three that WB was taking it. Like, there was someone in WB that was like, we must have a Suicide Squad game. Because the first announcement of a Suicide Squad game was in, like, 2012. Um and at least one of those versions was made by WB Montreal that got shit canned and then eventually it ended up in Rocksteady's lap. But like if the timelines I've heard about when it ended up in Rocksteady's lap are true, then that means that they must have been working on something uh, between Arkham Knight and <laughs> Suicide Squad because uh, otherwise that doesn't make a lot of sense. That's like a pretty big time gap. So not not sure what happened there uh i fear for rocksteady's life like that that company feels like one that's just going to get shuttered when this game underperforms hellishly um it has had an awful week uh that is absolutely at the feet of the publisher um like live service games have rocky launches at all times and publisher was like hey what if you pay an exorbitant amount of money in order to play the game three days early <laughs> and then uh surely that'll work it, out which like historically like i remember uh like there's a there's a youtube uh channel that i've plugged a number of times that was uh like a, a Bioware guy, Mark Dara, talking about working on games. And he, like, there was a period where he just, like, took out some time in a video to just rant about how much it sucked uh, to deal with the uh, EA Play Early Access uh, launches for, like, Dragon Age Inquisition and Mass Effect Andromeda. Uh, because it just meant that, like, you suddenly had to deal with two sets of launch hurdles and you had to launch earlier than like you'd been promised like any day one patch uh either like there's a bunch of people playing without the day one patch or the day one patch has to be out and certified multiple days early uh it's it's just a mess uh and it it like is miserable and colors perception of a game badly because you get something that is launching in a more unfinished state than was intended by the people working on it. So, yes. uh, and in this case, Suicide Squad did that exactly by uh, launching in such a way as to have a critical bug that caused it so that if you logged in right when you first could have, you the game would just immediately set you as flag you as having completed the story. Uh, so uh, congratulations, speedrunners! You now have an unbeatable record. Um, and so they had to take the game down for emergency maintenance to fix that, and they had to take the game down for maintenance again. So, like for a good nine hours out of the seventy-two hours that you had it early, uh, the game was simply not playable. Um, like this, this was an ill-conceived idea. Uh, the the entire crux of the game kind of loses what's interesting about the concept of the Suicide Squad. Uh, 
I have looked up the spoilers about what happens. Do we care about spoiling this? <laughs> no, please do. Uh, so there's no twist. Uh, the, the spoiler is that there's no twist. You just murder the Justice League. Uh, fucking dumb. Someone somewhere should have looked at the fact that the beloved uh, voice of Batman for an entire generation was going to have his last vocal role in this video game and found some excuse not to have Harley Quinn just shoot him in the face. Well, I have good news on that front. <laughs> Do tell. Not, it's not his last vocal performance. He's in two of the upcoming animated DC movies, including um, the f for part one of Crisis on Infinite Earths. That's good. That also means that at the but that also makes it even more crass yes. that they advertised it as his last role. Oh yes, yes it does. I have nothing but unkind words for Warner Brothers' marketing department. Uh, you have failed uh, Kevin Conroy. You have failed Rocksteady. You have probably failed to sell your fucking video game. Like, there is no... Like, if, if anyone should be losing their jobs, it should be large swaths of the WB marketing department. But, um, yeah, it's, it's like, just absolutely just a, a total misfire. It, it just looks like this was a project built on the fiat of the highest echelon of decision makers like you will make this 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 has to happen it has to look like this it has to do this and like the fun of the suicide squad is that there are a bunch of dipshits that don't like each other who sometimes die mm -hmm. taking down assholes you've basically never heard of and this is for there's only four of them you can't kill any of them also it's a game of the service so if you kill someone who is someone's primary character then they're hosed so you can't kill them that way either also one there's... of the characters you can pick <laughs> is captain boomerang <laughs> Like he's the one that's like, oh yeah, that is the that is the tier of like villain that belongs in a Suicide Squad game. Yes. But you know, it's it's just one of those things that like it it is uh, just an utter failure uh, of like someone with high level decision making picking the like the like standing off anything that would have been interesting about the premise. Like, it has to be killing the Justice League because who's going to play a game about them killing, like, I don't know. Like, na name me a C-tier uh, DC villain. Uh, Mirror Master. The Toy Man? Mirror Master? <laughs> yeah, like, like that, that tier of villain. The Weather like, Wizard. Yeah, like have it have it be something like that. Like this required them to contrive that between Batman Arkham Knight and Suicide Squad, they that Batman had gone off, formed the Justice League, and then the Justice League was mind controlled by Brainiac. Oh, Firemaner brings the Calendar Man, good one. Also, Calendar Man's great. I love I love this one, Gentleman Ghost. Gentleman Ghost. He's great in Batman Brave and the Bold. 
Has... Not to be confused with the Grey Ghost. Beware him. Yes. Which has all has like a bunch of like the C tier villains. It's great. That show is awesome. Mm. Go watch yeah, that, that instead a... of playing this game. Actually, <laughs> in fact, if you must play a game, go play Way Forward's Brave and the Bold game. Yes, that one's great. There's there's <laughs> also a Justice League game that came out last year, like a kitty game, but apparently it's got like apparently it's actually good and it's got like cool voice acting and lots of fun references. You might even have fun, unlike this. Where yes, you sort may of have be fun. Like, Hold on, let me look. Unlike this, where you'll be like, wait, why did they literally have them piss on the Flash's corpse? Uh, what is it? Cosmic Chaos, I think. Let's look. Yes, Cosmic Chaos. Not even published by Warner Brothers Games. Like, they, they, they were... <laughs> Like, they were just 100% certain that this was the way to go, and it's, like, the most misguided executive-driven thing I've ever seen. Um, but, yeah, uh, to, to hit the some of the other stuff in the state of play before we forget. Um, okay. Uh, Sonic Generations remaster, now called Sonic X Shadow Generations. Yeah, I love that game, so I'm hyped for a remaster with more content. I like the game. I think that the concept behind this remaster is weird. Somewhere between Craven and Misguided. Mm. Cuz like uh, you know, like bringing back Sonic Generations and adding in more content is fine. Sonic Generations is a great little game and I'm glad that more people like people will be able to play it. It feels super weird to be uh nostalgic about nostalgia. Because mm. like Generations was the nostalgia game. It's true, but I am the other th for that game. <laughs> the <laughs> other thing about it, and like this, is where my bigger point of bone of contention comes from, is that by throwing in Shadow and with the way they've done it, it's now a it's now a nostalgia bait for two different sets of players. Uh. Because Sonic Generations was uh, very much, uh, like, it, it, it was positioned as a celebration of Sonic as a whole. And in, and it is, to, to some greater or lesser extent. But it was, let me pull up, I was, I was describing it to a friend, and I think I had a decent way of organizing my thoughts in that discussion, so I want to reuse the phrase. Um... So, uh, Quick, give me a name for my P3 protagonist. Go. Uh, sociopath. Mm, okay. <laughs> Don't actually do that. Okay. Let's go call him Bob. Bob. First Seth? name Bob. Wait, last name P5 is better. I was gonna say Sap. Bob but... Sap. Oh my God, Bob. Bob blah blah. Lob law bombs, um, but yeah. So so to to get back to the thought train, uh, like Sonic Generations was like kind of a celebration of everything that Sonic had been, but it was like tonally the way they approached it was remember when Sonic was simple and fun. Like, everything else tonally bent the knee to being more like the Genesis games, or at least your memory of the Genesis games. Like, Crisis City is in there, the Time Eater is in there, 
but it's all filtered through this like uh this this genesis style like tone and shadow is the opposite of that shadow is the thing that that was attempting to not per se repudiate but to like uh to to bring into to bring into alignment like you know like everything should ultimately come back to the genesis games was essentially a thesis of how that worked and like the tone that sonic was especially striving for at that time remember when sonic was simple and fun and you had loved it and this shadow bit that's doing Sonic Adventure 2 and Shadow the Hedgehog levels, and thank god it probably will not be direct recreations of Shadow the Hedgehog levels. Those are fucking awful, even if you're just running through them. But, uh... The, this is... Like, Shadow... Any, any attempt to be nostalgic for Shadow is remember when you were 10 and this was the coolest thing you'd ever seen. Uh... And so you now have the, these two extraordinarily clashing aesthetics uh, that are just unhappily sharing a single game. <laughs> and that feels weird to me. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, like, I'm sure that like Sonic Generations is great and I'm sure that uh, the Shadow content will be fun, but it feels super weird like deeply artificial like these should have been two separate packages in some fashion but likely there isn't enough new shadow content to sell on its own but uh it's 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 weird it's super weird to be uh it just feels weird that's that's it it's, it's not necessarily a bad thing but it's weird uh let's see other than that, uh, there's some VR games, most of them not super interesting looking. Uh, one of them's in the like Metro 2033 Last Light uh, Exodus universe. Uh, there was a... The only VR game I saw that I was like, oh, I would play that if I had a PSVR 2 was this game that seemed to mostly consist of choke slamming skeletons. Like, that looked like a fun time, but uh, everything else was just like, here's kind of the same, not quite a gallery shooter. <laughs> so, it's, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't do much for me. And it's super weird to see uh, Persona 3 with Persona 5 camera angles. Yeah, and a lot of the like Persona 5 menu styles and whatnot. Yeah, like, this is super just, like, reusing as much content as possible. I suspect we'll get, like, Persona 4 rerun following this as well. Uh, I would be 50 times more hyped for that. But, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful that this fixes some of the worst things in Persona 3. I don't know that it will, but hopefully... Uh, apparently, like, there's rumors floating around that they're gonna sell the answer as DLC, and, like, I, I would personally advise anyone to think long and hard before purchasing that, because the answer is genuinely dreadful content in its original incarnation. It is a bad story, poorly told, with no sense of, like, the original game's pacing. Uh... 
I'm gonna say, like, but, not to derail you, but just while I'm watching yeah. this this animated cutscene, I feel like these are unnecessary. And if this is like one of the reasons they couldn't put the female protagonist in this game, this is a complete waste of resources. I mean, the actual reason they didn't is that it would require revoice and like new scenes that they yeah. weren't gonna spend yes. that money on. Like this was designed to be a cheaper project. Because so much of the design work is already done. The script is mostly already done. You're making revisions rather than shit from scratch. Yes. You're reusing tons of the... You're you're reusing uh, a ton of resource work. Because, like... A lot of this interface is just tweaked from Vive. Um, it, it's just a lot of stuff that, like... Oh, this is, this is designed as a way to pump more product out mm. um it's fine but i'm just will be more interested when it's the the next game. <laughs> but, i think i think uh, the, but, the real issue is they're gonna run into the snake eating its own tail because it's like you can do that twice and then you're out of game yeah, that's true but like uh, I, I liked the original a lot at least i should say original i mean Persona 3 Portable, gameplay-wise, but the fact that I just made a joke name for my character tells you all that I care about its story. <laughs> I barely remember it's, most of it, anyway. It's a, it's a lot of... There's a lot of things that I think are like... A, a more thorough remake could address problems, but everything I've seen of this leads me to believe that they did not address the things that I think are actually... Uh, a problem with the narrative. Yeah. They might have removed like the scenes that, like the handful of scenes that are offensive, but like the 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 bits that are just like, oh, this narratively is a poor sleight of hand. Uh, this this or like just just Tartarus itself. So much of the game is built around it, but like they didn't. For example, a lot of money and design work on Persona Five would likely have gone into its like gigantic complex intricate designed dungeons and the fact that these that this is back to random like even if the tile sets are much more expensive you save a lot of time by just saying like oh we're just gonna or you save you know a lot of time and by consequence money by just saying they're they're generated they're proc gen uh but Fireman says, must every Persona or SMT game have the same budget as P5? Is that re Atlas really that strapped for cash? Strapped for cash is not the right word, but it's very much like, you know. They're not, it's just not like the 3DS anymore, where they could pump out a bunch of games for probably much, much cheaper. In general, like... Old old stuff. SMT as a whole has often been sort of defined by, uh, like creative reuse of assets. Like Persona Three in its original incarnation is a game that's clearly like we've got a ton of models that we can mostly reuse as is from, uh from Nocturne. Like, that was the big spend. We made all these models and now we can reuse them. We can... Uh, 
heavily, heavily limit the environmental assets. Uh, there just isn't that mu much space in the game. Uh, we can, you know, sort sort of build it around shifts in time, and like it it produces a complex game system. It produces a gigantic script, but the raw asset creation is limited, uh, comparatively speaking. So, uh, and with the uh, randomly generated dungeon, you get a uh, you, you get a lot of uh, a lot a lot more content in uh, that fills out the game outside the talking. Uh, the combat system is, of course, a variation of the the press turn system. So, like, you're not. Uh, reinventing the wheel, you save yourself a lot. Can I get a menu option to kick Junpei in the nuts? Uh, and at least he's not voiced by a sex pest anymore. <laughs> um, That's something, at least. But, yeah, so... Uh, Fireminer's asking... Uh, Fireminer gave kind of a, a long bit of uh, explanation about Ojihiroi, the, one of the key uh, creators behind Soccer Wars. Uh, I, I won't immediately repeat it because there's just a lot of, uh, there's a density of info here that's, uh, relatively tangential to the question itself, but, uh, this begs the question, how do Japanese developers think about RPGs? How much money do they think they can make from RPGs? Is Square Enix the only company that's willing to put that much money into an RPG? Also, Saga News. Um, I mean, evidently, companies are willing to, like, Like a Dragon is an RPG at this stage, uh... It was kind of a beat-em-up RPG from its conception, but by this point, it's just an RPG, and it's one of the highest-budget things that Sega makes. Uh, I, I do think that there's a sense that that market is pretty thoroughly carved up, uh, which is why, like, AAA Japanese developers that make RPGs kind of are the ones that have always been making RPGs. Uh... But I think that's I think that's true of a lot of things. Where like you'll see certain kinds of certain genres when the big players are established, it's rare to see another big player who try to diversify into them. So I think that's that's more the consequence of what you're saying, uh, especially because it's harder to diversify into a genre at this point because. You need to rely on, like, you're relying on asset reuse, and it's harder to uh, do asset reuse when you have uh, to build for an entirely new genre. Uh. Let's see, what else was I going to say? I wanted to bring up something about this, but it's escaping me. I want to... Let's hit what's left of the state of play. 
Uh, so we got uh, Team Ninja's Rise of the Ronin that has the misfortune of coming out the exact same day as Dragon's Dogma 2. That's a shame. Uh, I like that looks neat enough, but like if I'm getting one of those at 60 or 70 and one of those at like 30, Rise of the Ronin's losing that fight. Um, Sorry. Uh, Konami launched a uh, like free Silent Hill mini game that I've heard basically no positive statements about. Uh, it seems like it's one of those things where like someone was like, make something like PT, and someone made something like PT, and it turns out that trick is much less impactful ten years later. Um, the Silent Hill 2 remake looks like a giant, like, just a complete failure to produce anything of interest from the material. Uh, the blooper team continues to blue ball over it. Uh, somehow they still haven't committed to a release date. Like, the, the rumors were that it was supposed to come out this year, but the combat trailer they showed just said, Silent Hill 2 Remake, in development. Which is usually something you say when you don't have a year settled on. Uh, Could Silent Hill 2 even be remade without fog, asked Fireminer. Uh, you'd probably have to make something deeply transgressive to completely reshape the aesthetic, but I also think that that's the only kind of remake that would be worth doing. Uh, otherwise, you'd be better off like working to like scientifically recreate the original, which might be better simply because there just isn't a great way to play it now outside of like some PC mods, I think. But yeah, it's I don't know, man. Like, so one of the things that I always think about when I see these remakes is the consideration of how environments are environments and cameras are built in tandem like i'm seeing it as i look at this persona 3 remake the halls in persona 3 are narrower than they are in like five or even four because the camera is designed for the the they were designed for a top-down camera so like when you're running through the halls behind the back uh the the general readability of the area is not as good as the original uh but there's not as much like interesting density of weird looking students either so it's it's kind of a weird thing to look at this game cuz like the environments are very blocky very designed to be just incredibly readable from top down uh, when I looked at the Silent Hill 2 remake, one of the things that stuck out to me is that, like, the monsters, when seen from a behind-the-back camera, are almost never seen from a flattering angle. Uh, the the camera angles that you saw them at either obscured large parts of them or emphasized strange angles of approach. 
which made the designs look better. Like they, it was the best look that you could give those designs. And so when you're seeing them by, sh uh, when you're shooting at them from your Resident Evil Four style behind the back camera, you kind of see them from angles they're not. The designs were not really meant to be emphasized from, and it makes them look hokier. Mm -hmm. It makes them look shittier. Uh, even though it's the same design because you're just not seeing the right parts of the creature there. Like it's attacking because of its angle of attack hasn't really changed. Yeah. The angle James would see them from is different and kind of bad in terms of making them look intimidating or off putting. Uh, like I love close in cameras. I love the, the sense of intimacy they produce, but when you're reproducing, when you're remaking a game, that was not meant to be seen from that angle, you end up having to rethink the sense of scale and perspective that everything gets seen from. And I just, I don't know that, uh, I, I don't know that I'm fully on board with what I'm, what I'm seeing. And like, it's not game ruining, certainly for Persona 3, it's not game ruining that they did this, but uh, it is like one of those things that just, you know, it, it doesn't, they didn't go far enough. They didn't change it enough. There's no reason for Gecko Con High to look the same way that it did before. It was a very utilitarian set of like four hallways. Uh, this is supposed to be bigger than the, uh, than Inaba in Persona 4, but doesn't feel like it because they didn't redesign how this school fits together. It's just GeckoCon as you remember it on the PS2. But because it's less abstract, it doesn't feel more populous or larger. I love how uh, this name is showing up in the text. P5 wow. is better, Kuhn. <laughs> you must have a good memory or something. I wonder if you have five social stats like in 4 and 5 or if you, they dunked it back down to three looks like three okay yeah they they did not redo that at all that's weird yeah don't care for that it's not even that i don't care for it but it does indicate that they were unwilling to make major changes like mm -hmm. it feels weird like because, you know, I, I harp on this every time we get a remake, but it's like, if you're not going to do anything, why did you bother remaking this? <laughs> this is your chance to, like, I uh, I have said it before and I'll say it again. I want my remakes confrontationally disloyal to the source material. Yeah, that's why I hated the, uh, the Secret of Mana. Well, I didn't, I didn't hate it. Because it's, it's just the old yeah. game, but, uh, but like, like with 3D this? graphics. <laughs> Like, what, who was this meant to serve? Like, it, the old graphics honestly looked better. Like, not not in this game's case. You ported the old game. You've done it before. You, in fact, did it like a year later. Um, I mean, they, but, yeah. they, they'd also ported it to mobile. Like, the original game yeah. before the remake came out. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's just one of those things, like... I don't, like... Shuchi Akutsuki here is gonna have the same dumb twist that he had last time and his motives will still be just like i am bad uh, 
I should probably not casually spoiler spoil Persona 3, given that there will be people playing it who have not played it before. But then again, they're probably not our audience. <laughs> probably not. Uh, but still, I'll try to refrain from casually spoiling it, even though he's kind of... He's not hard to work out as uh, not the nicest human being, just by virtue of the fact that it's like... He, if he's if he doesn't betray you at some point, he doesn't add anything to the story at all. Uh, like he just does nothing. Uh, but yeah, like I just I, I want my remakes to give me an experience that reminds me of why I loved something the first time, without being the thing I loved the first time. Also, I would suspect that this game has uh, retained Persona 3 Portable's decision that the protagonist can only use one weapon type because that saves them money. Uh, Fireman asks, so what you're saying is that we don't need a shadow... He says Shadow of Hedgehog, I assume it means Shadow of oh, Hedgehog. I assume Shadow of the Hedgehog, Shadow yeah. of the Hedgehog remake. We need Shadow of the Hedgehog 2! Uh, I mean, if you, can, if you can come up with like a way for it not to be like the worst game you've ever played, yeah. But... Honestly, like, a, a Shadow of the Hedgehog remake that was confrontationally disloyal to the original Shadow of the Hedgehog could only be a good thing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I look at Persona, this game already has a remake, go. look at Persona 3 Portable. Like, ad adding the, the lady protagonist gave you a reason to play to look at the game differently like i have my ups and downs with some of the choices that were made and how that was implemented but like most of the changes i've heard of for this game mostly fall into like they made the combat a little nicer they already did that with portable it seems like they've just sort of dropped in the p5 combat system in this case um they they added some some new scenes like it, it seems like it has about the same amount of new content as fest did back in the day and that's uh like that was enough for me to like buy the game again because it was cheap like the back in the day fest was like the easiest way to get a hold of the game because it was 20 bucks uh but you know it like if someone was like should i get fest just because i want to see the new content i would have said no <laughs> And uh, that's, I, I feel like that's kind of how I feel about this remake, is that, like, if someone was like, should I play Persona 3 Reload if I just want to play the male campaign, I'd say, yeah, sure. I mean, if you got Game Pass, that's a fine enough way to play Persona 3, but it's just, it, it's it doesn't seem... Anymore. What, Persona 3 Reload? Oh, no, Persona 3... Uh... Portable. portable is not yeah but I'm, I'm talking about reload right now oh, oh okay sorry but yeah like if, if you just need an excuse to play persona 3 and you don't intend to play the the lady main character campaign then yeah sure knock yourself out but there's like it it, it just sort of looks like the if you've played Persona 3 before, the only reason to play this again is that you just desperately need to experience playing Persona 3 again. It's just like, I feel like I've... They've re-released that game like three times. I've got enough of it for a lifetime. Uh, I might play Reload if it drops on the Switch successor because that'll be an excuse to play it portably, but I'm sure shit not buying it again just by itself. <laughs> uh, Too many versions of Persona 3. Too many yes. versions. 
Primary <laughs> says the review said that the new links with the male C's members are better, but they only make the old ones look worse. Oh god, are there are there S links that they just like left untouched? Because that's gonna seem real hokey. Let me not sure. into this. He says, is a game that you know you'll only buy in a discount a waste of time because it's just uh, the, that good enough for you to see yourself paying full price for it. Eyeing Fae Stay Night Remaster at $40. Is there any genre you never pay full, full price for? Visual novel, sport management simulator. Uh, I No, I don't think a game you'd only buy at a discount is a waste of time. It's just... It's it's a mark more of your lack of commitment to it because like yeah. you know there's plenty of games I'll start and be like oh I don't feel like finishing that I had a good time with a handful of hours of it but I didn't feel like finishing it that happens with plenty of games and I don't I don't think that's a bad thing it's yeah. just like you don't fucking owe a video game your video game's not your job uh, but at the same time it's like I'm not gonna spend uh, full price on a game that's like oh yeah I just wanted to have like a dozen hours of fun with this. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it could just be something you, you don't think you'd like. Going, yeah. uh, I didn't think I'd like uh, Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter, so I didn't buy, didn't really have no interest in it until I saw it at a GameStop. Maybe it was EB Games at the time. I don't know. For ten bucks, and that ended up being awesome. But yeah, I don't think. I don't think waiting for a certain price or only buying things on a discount is necessarily devaluing the thing. Or it's necessarily a mark that it wasn't worth right. your time to begin right. with. Uh, so, to look at this. Bubsy, what, what are you doing, Firerunner? What, what, what are you talking I'm, I'm, about? I'm, I'm going to go down this. We'll get through this in order. <laughs> All right, you uh, have to go down this so I can proceed to actual gameplay in this game. So there's nothing I would sort by genre as like a genre that I'll only buy uh, cheap because usually uh, there's nothing that like I like enough as a genre to spend time with, but don't like enough to uh, buy on like as again as a genre concept. So like. I, I buy plenty of games that people describe as visual novels. I am playing the Ace Attorney 4 through 6 trilogy right now, even though I would contend that that is an adventure game and the visual novel, calling all Japanese adventure games visual novels is flattening a broad swath of video games into one very specific idea uh, that generally is uh, less interesting. But the, that's neither here nor there. The broader point is uh, that... Just in general, like, for for me personally, there's no genre where it's just like, oh, I'll only buy this on the cheap. Uh, like, because, like, the genres that I don't buy games in, like survival games, are things that I just think are boring and don't buy. Uh, like, you, there's not a price where that would make sense to me because it's just like, oh, like, I'll get bored of this in 10 minutes and be done with it. There's... There is no price uh, for for me personally. Where like, uh, but if if I do care about a if I do enjoy games within a genre, it's like if the game's good enough, I'll buy it at any price. Uh, Favorite weird girl, Elizabeth. She sure is uh, Daffy. We'll go with Daffy. Yeah. 
They're running out of minor Frankenstein characters. Um, let's see. Is that what they're supposed um, to be? Elizabeth Margaret, Elizabeth Margaret, uh, Theodore, Lavenza, and uh, Igor are all uh, sourced from Frankenstein, as I recall. Okay. So, uh, let's see. For people who are both in and not in the video game production and review industry, what is the benefit of playing mediocre games besides the subjective notion of fun? Well, I mean, the subjective notion of fun is what draws me to most things in life. Uh, I read mediocre books because it's part of my job to learn about how people fall short in their writing. Just casual John spend their precious time on something like, say, anything on the spectrum between Super Mario Sunshine and Bubsy 3D. Uh, the answer is, uh, like, too personal to say definitively, but I feel like, uh, it depends upon the kind of, like, what, what we're calling mediocre. Are we calling it some mediocre something that is just, uh, straight sevens, per, uh, perfectly fine, has no ambitions? Uh, I mean, if they're hard up for something... Uh, and they haven't played a game in that genre in a while, or there hasn't been one in that genre for a while, yeah, sure, go for the 7 out of 10s. Are we talking about something that is trying to be incredible and fails in some key way? I would argue that that's even more a point to recommend someone something that is treated as mediocre, uh, because maybe like the things it's failing at don't mean as much to them. Uh, like I, I think that uh, a key point in a good review isn't the score it's its ability to articulate why that score was reached uh and so you know when you look at you know like a lot of some of my favorite games are games that you know got heavily divisive scores but like the things that they were good at are things that i care deeply about and some games that i have just absolutely no interest in get almost universally high scores but the things they're good at are things that i have just absolutely no interest in uh and so like that's that's the reason that like you know you look at something uh if we if we go look in the realm of like respected critics in uh america if you go look at like lists of reviews by roger ebert you'll see uh claims that are like genuinely frankly bizarre to try to read like everyone will find at least one review by uh, a prolific reviewer but especially but you know again american icon roger ebert you go looking through his lists of film reviews and you'll find at least one uh score where it's just like i cannot imagine how this is what you arrived at but because of both the prolificness and his capacity to explain where he's coming from in general, like you can get an idea, of, even if you completely disagree with them, you can get a full idea of why, uh, like you can get a full idea of whether you'll like it just because he was good enough at articulating why he did or didn't like something. And like that's, you know, the, the, the true key to a good review is, of course, like even if I don't agree with you, I got good information about why I should, whether I should care. Um, but, you know, in, in general, I think that there are tons of things that get mediocre reviews that a lot of people would have a lot of fun with. But, uh, you know, 
it's it's going to come down to and like even if i think the game itself is mediocre there's there's a lot of different ways to approach things uh bless him on our comments quite rightly uh roger ebert famous liker of home alone 3 uh like you know he was he was he was a guy that could have some really strange uh, takes on uh, on movies, but he was always good at articulating, well, this is why I liked it. And, like, you could take that or leave that, but you would always at least have a better appreciation for if someone did, if he did like it, you'd have a good idea of why. Um, speaking of Bubsy, you've talked about franchises that have a lot of expectations on their shoulders, but what about the reverse? Must any new Bubsy game be bad because this is what the buyers expect in the first place? It's the only way to make a good Bubsy game is to make it ironically bad. I think that I, I would describe it less because uh, there are. Uh, I, I'm given to understand that the Bubsy games from the Gian Sisters, Twisted Dreams games, Black Forest games, I'm given to understand that that game is perfectly fine. I think it's more that at some point, because of the narrative around how people react to games or like any piece of media when the tide of public opinion is go is rolling one way or another the the game will never get the benefit of the doubt like if someone made a truly uh, a truly splendid bubbly game there's still a good chance that like to a certain degree, because of the sheer uh, weight behind the fact that the expectation of Bubsy is raw mediocrity at best and absolute disaster at worst, the, the response would be, oh, this is better than I expected, but you still don't need to sp spend your time on it. Because that is the, the there is an assumption, there, there is less a willingness to dig into what makes something tick when people have an idea of what they already know about it. Like, you've seen me kind of dismiss the game Wheels is playing right now because I'm pretty sure I already know about it. <laughs> uh, speaking of Home Alone, remember the reboot one or two Christmases ago? What are some games, movies, etc. that punch down, like sincerely making fun of... Poor people as dirty and uncouth. Uh, I actually watched that remake, and I don't think that's what it's doing. And it, it kind of makes the kid look like the bad guy no in the end. But, <laughs> but, but also, everyone gets along by the end. Because that's Home Alone. That's yeah. the kind of movie it is. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I could, I could definitely point to, like, I, I think most modern AAA games have, at best difficulty uh portraying uh the poor and the homeless like when they do portray them they're it's almost never happy like not even happy i should say it's almost never respectful like even if you look at something like uh yakuza like a dragon a game that i love uh if you look at its portrayal of the homeless it's trying to be humanizing but it's also mired in weird stereotypes and jokes one of the principal character's jobs is homeless guy and it gives him all sorts of weird magical homeless man powers uh so hmm? summoning pigeons like that lady in home alone 2 yeah summoning pigeons like the the whiskey fire like that sort of shit like it's all 
uh, stuff where it's like, depending upon what lens you're reading it through, that can absolutely be just construed as just kind of insulting. Uh, you look at, like, the, the rare games that do portray the homeless, uh, I mean, God, we haven't really changed since they cut Darkle from Grand Theft Auto 3. Uh, going for the deep cuts tonight. Anyone know about Darkle? No. No. You don't have to explain. Yeah, D Darkle was a... I'm, I'm doing it just for the audience benefit. <laughs> Darkle was a homeless man character that was cut late in development from Grand Theft Auto 3. Late enough that his voice actor is still credited in the game's credits. Uh, but he gave you missions that were just, like, baffling nonsense. Uh, like, it was like, oh, go kill a bunch like he, he was supposed to be home like a, a homeless revolutionary sort of guy and it's like oh go kill a bunch of these uh people by like some of his missions got recycled in the game like go kill a bunch of people by driving an exploding ice cream truck out it was a truly baffling uh character that was cut for being totally bad totally off-putting uh let's see um See, should we talk about the class bias in game development? I don't. I don't think I'm qualified to talk about it. Like uh, anything to do with that sort of thing is going to be drawing deep into uh, uh, deep into like a societal uh, thing that I am not smart enough for. This opening uh, still feels weird to me. Uh, when the characters later, I wonder if they've cut this dialogue because it kind of undercuts a lot of the theming of the game. But when the characters later in the game just say that, like, oh, yeah, I don't know why the evokers are shaped like guns. That's weird. <laughs> uh, like, theoretically, it's about life and death and rebirth. But, like, the dialogue within the game kind of, uh, well, not really rebirth, but life and death and, like, the the fragility of life. Like, all of that is all kind of... In is supposed to be reinforced by the the uh, suicide metaphor that the evokers bring forth, uh, but this this ain't it, chief. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> like the the way that it's handled in game. Uh, I, I'm not super into this opening as a whole. Like we're watching the opening of Persona Three for those not watching the uh, stream. Uh, Persona 3 Reload, when the protagonist first awakens to his persona, like, Yukari drops her evoker, the protagonist picks it up, doesn't know what it is, and shoots himself in the head. Anyway, that's kind of weird. Um, I, I suppose that's supposed to, like, represent Resolve. I don't... I forget if he's been introduced to the concept of the evoker at this point in the game. No. Okay, that... Pick, picks up a gun. <laughs> Thing. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Like you, presumably, he draws the idea from the fact that he sees Yukari about to shoot herself with it. But that, like, I don't like how they've decided that she needs to be weak at this for some reason, and only in this instance, only at this point. Yeah, uh, yeah they don't really do it, anything with that, do they? Because then she just uses. No, it's never brought up again. It's so fucking stupid. Like. She uses she uses the same posing that she uses in this cutscene. Like everyone has a different way of shooting themselves with the evoker, and she always uses the same po posing in this as she does in this scene where she's like uh, pointing it directly at her forehead on like the protagonist who goes for the lobe, 
but in, in general like this notion that she's like nervous about the evoker is never really addressed again yeah and like i said the only other time that the shape of the evokers is ever really pulled into the conversation is i believe akihiko at some point is like yeah i don't really know why they shaped them like guns <laughs> uh so like theoretically yeah. the the notion that like to use the more the persona you need to face your mortality is undercut by the statements made in the game where it's clear that they don't see it that way and it like it if you had just left it undiscussed you could say that like it's raw symbolism but when someone comes in to the literal framework of the game and brings up that the symbolism doesn't make sense to them it's like it, it makes the game look dumber <laughs> So hopefully they've just, cut that, but... Just compare it to all the Awakenings in Persona 5, or even Persona 4, really. Yeah, like, all of those have, like, a thematic underpinning. That, like, this this eventually tries to do the second Awakenings, that uh, it tries to justify those. The first Awakenings are almost never brought up in terms of, like, well, why this person? Uh, <laughs> it's not really a it's no there's no further thoughts uh but yeah this uh this combat system sure looks a lot like uh it did in persona 5 um which isn't isn't a bad thing that's a good look uh yeah i'm gonna guess that for the sake of keeping the smallest number of necessary animations, the protagonist can only use the short sword, so the ability to change weapons. I assume that dialogue must have been cut this time. It wasn't cut in portable, which was really silly because like you'd get uh you could get you could run into this long tutorial dialogue in Persona 3 Portable from Mitsuru where she would explain to you the advantages of using different weapons to start uh, combat uh, to try to surprise enemies and how that would be different. And it didn't apply to that version anymore. <laughs> like the dialogue was still in there, but you could only use short swords. Just oh, really silly. Um, oh, I assume that uh, they must have cut that dialogue this time if they actually uh, did. Oh, Firemary brings up. I almost forgot to mention that OG Megaton and Sharon 4 Plus got a translation too. We streamed some Sharon 4 Plus, which ended up being a mistake. Yeah, there's some there's some questionable things in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, Custom so Robo GX got yeah. an English translation. I need to pick that up actually, because I like Custom Robo. Sharon Custom 4 Robo has yeah. some, um, uh, what What's the kindest way I can put it? Outdated. Um, more choices. Yes. I can see why it never got a re-release. Uh, is there any game that something that has all the signifiers without actually signifying anything? Recently watched The Beekeeper estate them, and that movie had every political reference but no message whatsoever. Except one. They have a lot of AAA games. Yeah, except one. Scammers who scam old people should be killed in the most brutal way possible. Uh, I'll give you a good example, and its name is uh, Assassin's Creed 3. Yeah, that's got ton of, like, there, there's cut dialogue that, like, puts some force behind the metaphors and signifiers in there, but uh, they cut it, so yeah. it's just kind of an empty vessel. Uh, just sad. Yeah, it's a shame. Like the if you've never heard it, go look up the cut like final monologue that 
uh, Connor was supposed to have in uh, Assassin's Creed 3, and it's honestly quite good. Yeah. He, his voice actor does an incredible job. Yeah, it's, uh, it's great. That voice actor is great. I like a lot of attention to detail they did with the native tribes in that game, but they they needed to do they more. They chickened out. They needed to do more. Because, like, that game is full of compromises from all the people that they're scared of offending. So, like, they don't want to piss off, like, uh, Europeans, especially, like, British people. So, like, all of the dossiers are written from, like, the perspective of the British guy who's, like, ribbing people about how, like, oh, uh, the American revolutionaries were, uh, were just a bunch of stuff shirts. And then they don't want to like fully reckon with like the monstrous barbarous treatment of the native population by the uh colonial americans so they don't really like they they motion that like oh this is bad but they aren't willing to like show like they you know they cut this monologue where it's like i fought with them and then they fucking like essentially all betrayed me like they weren't willing to just uh, leaving in that in there would have meant so much. And yeah, like comparative. Uh, yeah, and and so like you know you end up with a game that has hedged all of its bets to try to make sure that it can't piss anyone off and produces something empty. Uh, in, in a similar like Assassin's Creed has a history of this when they were trying to both sides the French Revolution. Uh, <laughs> They ended up producing something that uh, just pissed off a lot, like tons of people, because it was desperate to not say anything. Both uh, sides while still the French Revolution. But what? But what about those those royals who could who would run over commoners like it was nothing? What about their feelings? <laughs> yeah, there's, there's. I'm trying to remember who exactly. Like there were. <laughs> God, it was. Let me check. I'm looking this up because there was... Uh, Maybe Marie Antoinette really did want them to eat cake. <laughs> but yeah, because I want to say... good. <laughs> but yeah, like, you know, obviously, like, there's, there's all sorts of, like, people that still have strong opinions about uh, the, the French Revolution, but ultimately there was... It was uh not uncommon to see like uh i i believe there was actually some threats of legal action over the portrayal of some of these historical figures uh and uh just just generally like it, it was seen as ultimately as uh, like it, there was there were definitely arguments made that they had essentially by avoiding uh trying to avoid painting anyone in uh, certain any specific individuals in too bad of a light that they had ultimately produced essentially a pro-royalist game. Uh, I liked Far Cry Five. Far Cry. Um, let's see. Uh, you go to Montana and you shoot a bunch of far-right cultists. I love it. Even that game's still kind of cowardly. Um, yes. Come on, Ubisoft. <laughs> Come on. Come on! If you if, please, please You're do so not close. put your. You're almost there. <laughs> please, please do not. Please, just, just please, go go all in, please. Like, like, don't touch something if you aren't like. Do not start a conversation you're not willing to have. Like, this is the same argument I was making about like FF16, a game that like was 
supposed to be about how slavery was bad, but wasn't willing to approach it from the way that humans actually approached slavery and what made it monstrous. Uh, like, it still needed to absolve its protagonist of any blame for having benefited from slavery. It needed to produce a sequence near the end where it's like, oh, your dad really wanted to free the slaves. If you had just given him a bit more time, if he had just lived a bit longer, all the slaves would have been freed. It would have been great. Uh, um, I, I'm still, uh, still annoyed, and I think this is still what drove me away from the game, was that stupid side quest where it's like, oh, here are these two people that they're... they're oh, where the child gets eaten? Yes, <laughs> where they're constantly sending slaves to be killed, and it's just like, this is an unrealistic situation. It, and it's just like, you, stupid. It's fucking like, stupid. There's, there's so much history of, like, truly barbarous treatment, but, like, because that's never contrasted against the banality of evil, yes. like, the, the notion that people did this because they could and it was easy mm -hmm. is like it's it, it never like the notion of like what what are like the the only things we ever see these these characters forced to do are parlor tricks like that's what we see them do like keep the ice cold keep this fountain running eventually it'll turn you into rocks and it's just like you like show the nature of like if this society is as built on this monstrous treatment as you claim it is you need to show that there is an actual that this is a way of life that needs to be torn down that the existing order must be destroyed you cannot just say oh if you just free them nothing would happen because all they do is parlor tricks for some reason <sighs> it's yeah it's if you if you are going to turn like if you're going to turn on the heat cook something don't just motion at the stove but <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah, I, I've I've managed to turn this into like complaining about like five of my favorite whipping boys. So I'm going to move on. Uh, how come only it's only now that I know that there's a Telenet shooting collection on the Switch last year? I remember playing Gyarus twice. Uh, I it's one of those things like there's been so many like weird obscure re-releases, uh, especially on the Switch that. They kind of, like, you have to be deep within the niche to even follow that they're happening. Oh, speaking of things coming to the Switch, uh, Tokyo Xanadu EX Plus yeah, is uh, actually just coming that from that yeah, website because it comes with the soundtrack. I was thinking about, like, how, like, when I saw the announcement, I was like, oh, but it'll be more expensive. But then I, like, then it was confirmed, oh, they're doing, like, a read they're like at the very least editing the localization pass because if you've ever seen the original Tokyo Xanadu EX plus localization or just Tokyo Xanadu localization, it kind of just devolves into a shit post part way through. Ooh. Like there's, there's parts where like, God, I'm 
I'm remembering like they just keep referencing Cthulhu in ways that don't don't seem like they have anything to do with the original. Um But yeah, like there's like this bit like a, a friend sent me this infamous screenshot uh where the protagonist we're, we're not the protagonist, but like a character uh is thinking Dear Cthulhu and Rolia, she's a beautiful creature. And the girl responds, Hey bro, you weren't thinking about perversions and the awakening of a great old one, were you? And he responds, Definitely not. And then starts like rambling in like, you know, some sort of deep tongue. But it's, it's like one of those things like, I assumed that that happened because they just didn't think that this particular bit of dialogue mattered, but apparently it like just degenerates over the game's length into just a lot more of like typos and that weird shit. So apparently like they're doing some degree of relocalization on the Switch version, which might get backported into the PC version eventually. I would suspect that version's possible. Vita version definitely not. PS4 version, eh, maybe it's been many years. Um but yeah, like they're they're relocalizing it. I saw tweets from people who were like former Geofront people, the people that uh, fan translated uh, Trails from Zero and Trails to Azure uh, as being involved in this relocalization. So that that will probably be the definitive version to play, uh, at least until there is a guarantee that like the PC version is getting. Uh, that localization patched into it because yeah it seems like there's some <laughs> I, I i understand being tempted to just put shit posts into unimportant npc dialogue but man that's uh it's maybe a bridge too far um it just breaks the tone of the game but yeah uh They recently picked up the Rays collection. Ray Force and Ray Crisis are still bangers. Yes, they are. Um, it's actually a Cosmic Fantasy 1 and 2 collection that I need to jump on because it's like, oh, the, these two weird old PC Engine RPGs that one of which had been working designs localized and one of which had not been localized, but now have both been localized. And apparently the localization is pretty dry, but at the same time, I mean, that's fine. I'm, I'm fine. I'll accept that. Uh, but yeah, like... Uh, I was going to say, if you want to see, like, obscure shoot-em-ups, um, check out some of these Evercade cartridges. Oh, those yeah. are getting weird. They uh, are. If you got did layer section uh, come out on? I know that that was like announced at one point. That might be on Steam. I don't know. I know it's yeah. So layer section and Galactic Attack S tribute also came out, and that's a great uh, pair of shooters. Yeah. Uh, well, it's the same game, isn't it? Uh, no, I want to say I, I want to say one of them. I thought it was like one and two, okay. but either way, it's a great game. Uh, yeah, so Ray Force, uh, which might also be 
Okay, in Japan it was renamed Layer Section. Okay, yeah, that is the same game. I know that there's like a Layer Section 2, which is what got me confused. But yeah. That was Japan only, I want to say. Yeah, so Galactic Attack is what it was changed to in North America. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, the S Tribute series were great. Uh, I think Elevator Action Returns was also in that. And that's, uh, that has a dude at the end of the first level screaming, crush the old order and create a new society. (laughs) And I'm just all about, uh, like, just an incredible, like, a phrase that goes hard as hell right at the start. Fan of all your base are belong to us. I think Zero Wing is playable uh, at this point. It's on the Switch Online and the Genesis app. Yeah. Yep, which is fun because it did not actually come out in the U.S. on Genesis, I don't think. Oh, okay. It was uh, it was Japan and Europe, it's, I want to say. But it's in English. <laughs> well, yeah, because it came out in Europe. Oh, okay. Right. So. Yeah, so I'm looking it up and, yeah, Japan uh, and Europe 1991 and U.S. Uh, US release for the Genesis version is listed as 2020. <laughs> Uh, uh, thanks for that, Wikipedia. There you go. But... There's also those, um... There's a whole bunch of other, like, mini arcade consoles now, like the Astro City, and then... The Astro City, the Taito... Taito, yeah, the Taito one. Yes. It's Egret. That Uh, thing looks cool. And SNK never stopped. Um, Right. But yeah, like a, a lot of those, uh, the the modern uh, company owners at this point, just like, well, it's not. We can't sell this on its own. Like we just have to go for the diehards. Child, you are even more off-putting when you're fully rendered. Um, I hate that kid. <laughs> But what about later? When, yeah, like, no, wait, I shouldn't spoil it. I, I never gonna... beat Persona 3. I don't know what the kid does, but I don't want to know what that creepy kid does. Yeah, we'll, we'll <laughs> skip it. I, I'm... Experience the ending. No. So, so we'll skip it, because, uh, again, this game just came out again. There will be people playing it who have not played it before, so we will go light on the spoilers. Um, but, yeah... Just like, there's not really a lot to do. Like, I'm just looking at the way that the camera is like framed, and it's just like, there's not really a lot they can do with these level layouts to make the camera framing interesting, just because it's like, wasn't there? There's a lot of square boxes and rectangles. Uh-huh. You know what it is when I was trying to play Persona 3 Portable when it was on Game Pass? It was like, you know, this just makes me want to play Persona 4 Golden. You know. That's how I just generally feel about Persona 3, is that I don't feel like there's anything that it does that its sequels didn't do better. <laughs> yeah. No, sequels, better story, better characters, better dungeons. More coherent better, better, theming. Better. I want Persona 6. Better color, color theming. Well, I mean, it's not like this. The color, 
It's not like you're getting this instead of Persona 6. Right. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely and made we're getting by that other cool looking game. Yeah, Metaphor Refantasia looks fantastic. Yeah. Uh, can't wait for that. Um, I, I wouldn't say, like, I feel like this color scheme suits what this game is attempting. I think that the color scheme is fine and, in fact, correct. Uh, like, this, this cold blue green uh, setting. Like, I feel like the issue with it is that the, it emphasizes how the game is downbeat and kind of uh, supposed to be... But, like, it's supposed to be about life, and it only feels like it ever emphasizes the downs of life. There is no... There's there's very little contrast in both the, the, art, uh, the art direction and the... Uh, the the way that the plot the pacing and mood of the plot there's there's very little like sense of contrast there i feel like w with a remake they could have fixed what feels like a uh what to me has always felt like a weakness of the story that like if it's a game about you know the importance of life before the inevitability of death that there should be honestly probably two contrasting primary colors but that's just me uh it's not really a game about death but about life and living's reaction towards death that said can you do life simulator in hell uh not while maintaining what makes it relatable uh why is it that metaphorical realms like hell aru duat Planes of Hinduism, etc., are so underrepresented in SMT. Is it because SMT's identity is so tied up in urban fantasy? Uh, it's it's some of that, but I think it's also just because uh, SMT is ultimately extremely humanistic. Everything is built on how it relates back to humans and how we perceive things, and thus the desire is to avoid making places that would be inherently alien to us like afterlifes and like realms of uh gods and demons you don't you don't want to humanize those uh because then you lose the contrast to the fundamental humanism that uh undergirds smt as a whole uh, i vaguely remember having asked about this with smt but is there any game that puts the gods at the center of their cosmology as opposed to smt's human-centric approach not really uh, one thing that's jarring about the reboot god of war is that the writers tried to make him a person while in the original he's kind of like an avatar of wrath and the entire plot line was morality play which is one of the reasons that like that plot has never worked for me uh like i i I can't take Kratos' actions in the earlier games in broad strokes enough to be willing to forgive him in the new ones. And he also just like sort of Kratos. reminds me of every shitty dad I've ever met. I know, I don't like Kratos. Like, I don't want to see him redeemed because they're not willing to deal with the fact that, like, he's he's done something so fantastically awful that, it, like, I think they're almost reliant on it being so awful that you can't really process it. Uh, but, like, ultimately what you're left with is still, this guy's just a huge asshole, and even in the microcosm universe that you've put him in, because you still need him to kind of be the same guy, he's mostly just being shitty to his kid. And, like, not in an over-the-top way, but just in this, like, shitty dad way that's just like, man, I got enough of that growing up. <laughs> My thought 
at the start of the God of War remake. When did that come out? 2016? 2018. 2018. But it's a, my thought at the very beginning was, wait, this guy got remarried and had another kid? Like, fuck him. I can't even get married once. You know? I don't I don't terribly care about that because fiction is what <laughs> it is. I judge the shit out of him. I'm like, he shit. doesn't deserve another family. Fuck him. <laughs> Life is what it gives you, and sometimes some of us just don't meet who we're looking for. And I mean, it hurts, but we move uh, on. I but uh, just, just in general, like, yeah, I mean, that's that's different philosophy. Like, my brain is always is is eternally in the life isn't about getting what you deserve; it's about making what you can. But uh, but yeah, uh, like just yeah, like ultimately. Stories told by humans will center humans. When they don't, they feel impersonal and alien. Life keeps uh, giving me lemons, and I want orange juice. God damn it! Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's a lot to unpack for this moment, and I don't have the capacity to do it on air. We'll deal. We'll deal with it later. Um, but yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, but yeah, it, it's just one of those things that like ultimately uh, the 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 most uh, common you know, the, the the narrative that people produce even when they don't want to is ultimately going to come back to a human mind produced this even if you get a robot to do it even if you get your shitty chatbot to do it their source data was all humans <laughs> can you imagine ai writing a novel about aliens i think i just accidentally answered that and yeah the answer <laughs> is their source data was all humans uh it's well, humans all the way down well, I got to tell you, though, I was watching Stephen Colbert, and he had Brian Cranston as a guest, and they asked ChatGTP to write a synopsis for, like, a buddy comedy starring Stephen Colbert and Brian Cranston, and it came up with something that sounded pretty freaking cool, I got to be honest with you. I mean, it's like, mostly going to just be, like, a pretty generic buddy comedy, but sli sliced up just a little bit to fit those two. Yeah. The thing, the thing you see with like AI generations is that the more you look at them, the more you just see how limited it is. Because it's like, yeah. oh, that was really clever. That was a really clever parlor trick the first time, and then you see that that's the only parlor trick it does. Exactly. But, um, but yeah, and yeah, because the source data is all human, you end up producing, uh, just very, uh, human shit. Uh, no matter what you what you have actually making it, uh, I think. God, when I, whenever I think of like the the nature of machine learning AI bullshit, uh, I think about like that startup that was like, ah, we'll use Chat GPT to make it so that you can talk to historical figures, and then people immediately finding like fucking uh, like fucking joseph mengele and asking him about like it, whether he regrets the holocaust and it's like ah oh, yes i deeply regret the awful things that i did during the holocaust and it's like what, the, what? <laughs> like 
don't put that dude in there. I'm just going to put that on there, out there. If you're just going to have like this guy, like, ah, yes, I feel terrible about the awful things I did during the Holocaust. Like, no, that's a mis. That is a miscarriage of history. Bastard was a bastard to his grave. But yeah, like just it's it, like eventually. Today. Hmm? The funny thing I saw today was cat GTP. So it's a cat the, just saying meow, 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 and the response is no, it's not dinner time yet. And then meow, 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 meow. I don't care. It's still not dinner time. That is, that is the eternal cat world. The other option is stop pushing that off of the <laughs> off of the shelf. <laughs> Weird to look at the the like new art for the Persona Three male protagonist and like in the original he looked like he was like quaffed to look two thousands cool and now he just sort of looks like a dork. <laughs> very subtle differences in how his hair is arranged that just sort of makes him look uh, look dorkier. But hey, I need to. But then the other two have the same hairstyle, right? No, they have slightly different hairstyles, but also okay. they were generally they generally looked like they were less meant to look cool. Well, the Persona Four protagonist was meant to look cool. Joker is only meant to look cool when he's in his Phantom Thief outfit. Oh, right, he's a total dork. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Let's see. I need to pull up the. Oh my god! Shut up, game. Just let me get into the dungeon already. Fuck. Okay. You haven't even gotten the... in the dungeon yet. It's a it's a Persona game. Are this is honestly relatively fast. Yeah. Oh, gee, I don't I don't remember it taking this long to get it into Tartarus unless I was skipping all the dialogue. Variable. Okay. I mean, it still took a while in B3 Portable. I remember. I want to see if this that. is different though. Are these actual it's... dungeons or no? Just they're randomly generated. generated. Oh, jeez. All right. It would have. And then this the... this game would have like scaled up in terms of its cost to produce like a dozen times just by having to do like Persona 5 level dungeons. Yeah, huh. And then, uh, Jay, I wonder if uh, the Grim Reaper randomly pops up too. Ah, death! The chains. Speaking of Persona 3 Reload, is there any game you can see for yourself that the director was reined in uh, in terms of creativity? Like, Victory Gundam would have been wilder with the execution and brainwashing stuff had someone at Bandai not reigned Tamino back. Yeah, ah, oh God. And it's even weirder because, like, I mean, about a decade earlier, uh, maybe two, uh, they were already, like, like, he'd already made Zambot 3, and that's already, like, honestly wilder, but... Um, I mean, you can you can find plenty of them. Like the the easy go to would be Shadows of the Damned, which uh, was pulled back from being a uh, action light uh, tribute to Franz Kafka's The Castle and turned into a game where a guy shoots uh, people with his pistol called the Boner. Um, so I don't even dislike Shadows of the Damned, but it definitely was not the game that was set out to be created. Uh, it was it was definitely massaged uh, repeatedly until it became a more uh, a a more sellable product. 
Uh, yeah, I'm trying to think of other ones. It's it's not super common just because of the collaborative nature of game development. Uh, oh yeah, I did want to bring up since we been talk since we had been talking about state of play, I did want to bring up uh, Death Stranding 2 looks like fun. Uh, I'm all in on uh, like the 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 as as crazy a bullshit as is possible. Uh, I'm in on a guy uh, you know running around with an electric guitar that shoots electricity. Uh, in general, uh, I'd love Kojima's crazy bullshit. And then they announced a game that is probably a PlayStation 6 game. Uh, I think it's currently called Fizzint. Joe, did you have the misfortune of watching the state of play? Watch any of it, no. Yeah, so Kojima I, announced... I, I know about some of the... I, I know that Death Stranding 2, I mean, but that was already announced a while back, though. Yeah, so, but we saw, like, a like seven-minute trailer for it, so but, we actually kind of know what it is, what's in it. I didn't get that far into the first Death Stranding, because... Now you okay, have time. I'm, it comes out in 2025. I know, but it's like, <laughs> okay, I'm delivering packages, and I have to hold the triggers so he doesn't fall... And I started to have fun, actually, when I found out that you can just beat up the guys who try to steal your packages. Like, you can literally just punch them to death. It's like, oh, okay. And then get your stuff back. Yeah, two looks more action-y. It'll probably be more of a crowd pleaser just to look at it. Okay. But uh, they also announced Fizzint, which is a uh, espionage action game. That is coming out. That will be started on once Death Stranding two wraps sometime in 2025. That game, given how long these th things tend to make, that is probably a PlayStation six game, uh, which is terrifying to contemplate. Uh, we, we need we need video games to get smaller again. I'm sorry, uh, we can't keep doing this. We already knew about Dragon's Dogma 2, but I would like to see more of that. So... I mean, that's out in March. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. I don't have time to go back and beat the first one. Oh, no. No, the, the think, problem with the first one is I bought it on PS3 when it came out. How and Right, and, and I liked it, but it was a PS3 game, and it, it was like, okay, this is kind of... It's like, I like this. This is kind of Monster Hunter-ish, kind of Dark Souls-ish, kind of had a lot of different things going on, and I, I, I liked it for the most part. And maybe that ties into the previous question about mediocre games. It's like, well, yeah, Dragon's Dogma was kind of a mediocre game, but I still liked it. I still felt compelled to keep playing. But then I think the issue is then I got the Dark Arisen version and barely touched it. And then I bought, when it got first got ported to PC, which was, gee, back in 2016, um, I bought it again and played for a couple hours. And But it was just, I don't know. I just, I got pretty far in the original PS3 version and then just never felt compelled to get caught up to where I was. I don't know, it's just weird. I guess it was just tedious. But, um, I don't know. That, but that looks neat. And th but then there was also that Dragon's Dogma online game that we couldn't play because it never came to the States. 
you know. I'm gonna say that's probably fine. Yeah. So that was only playable if you set up a Japanese account and then bought Japanese currency and stuff. It was weird. So Yeah. I don't know. Don't play gotcha. Don't play don't play these free to play MMOs, they'll just bleed you dry. Um, yeah. That's fine. Um and then let's see. What else was announced that I missed? Or I wouldn't say I've been missing it, Bob. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, I mean, they didn't really announce much. It was mostly stuff we'd already seen, unless you're, like, a deep in the tank for Judas or whatever, but... Uh... The Dragon's Dogma 2... Rise of the Ronin they showed some of. That looks fun enough, but it comes out the same day Dragon's Dogma 2 does, which is not great for me. Um... I think we got a trailer for that before. That looked kind of cool. Yeah, they, they just um, showed more trailers. That's Team though. Ninja again? Yeah, it's Team Ninja. It's sort of an open-worldy looking action RPG sort of thing. Seems like it has sort of Neo combat, but more things outside of the combat. Uh, to okay. like, There are places that you're not fighting things. <laughs> okay. So, I could get on board with that. Yeah, Even it's just though like I, I, thought, um, I thought Neo 2 was way too fucking hard and I never beat it because it's... Ugh. Sorry. But yeah, I can, I can get on board with that, but I'm gonna fucking save it for, like, probably after Dragon's Dogma 2. Because, again, they come out the same day, which is a bit, of an, bit unfortunate. It doesn't feel like it helps either game. Uh, Return of Sonic Generations? It's Sonic X Shadow Generations. It's just Sonic Generations with a new Shadow campaign. Oh. Meh. And Stellar Blade. Did we get a trailer for that at the Game Awards? Oh no, that's shown up at like five state of plays, and it still has like no. I, I still have no discernible idea of like what separates it from any other game that it looks like, and it looks like three other games. <laughs> yep. Um, Hell Divers Two. Who gives a shit? Um, that's uh, another thing that's shown up at like five state of plays, and I was mentioning when we first brought it up that like, oh, this just looks like. Like, every time I see it, I forget what it's called, because it's just like, oh, this, I only am made aware of this by State of Plays. They've, all of the trailers look exactly the same, and the game looks super generic. Yeah, and then, let's see, um, another Hoyoverse game? Who gives a shit? Um, some people do. Oh, yeah, and Foam Stars, that was the one with, that was the Splatoon uh... with AI-generated garbage. Yeah, no, fuck that. Um... <laughs> Does not look great. Does not look great. Dave the Diver there. is getting ported. Yeah, that was one of those, like, oh, I thought this was already announced. I know, and then... <laughs> and it has oh, Godzilla v content. V Rising, wasn't that just an early access Steam game that never got finished? I think it's still in development. Like, I th I don't think, like, never got finished is fair, just because, like, I think it is still happening. I yeah. suspect that the announcement of the PS5 version means it's about to leave early access, actually. Okay, fair enough. Um, some kind of Silent Hill free-to-play thing? and No thanks. Um, Silent Hill 2 Remake? Uh, yeah, I'd play that. Sure. I wouldn't, because I think that, like, the team behind it doesn't actually understand the game very well, but that's uh, okay. neither here nor there. 
Um, yeah, because I remember having a whole conversation with someone because I I never got into Sonic uh, Silent Hill. I almost said Sonic, Sonic Hill. Hill. Yes. No, I, I never got into Silent Hill, but I remember when I a long time ago when I was going to the used game stores every week and building mm -hmm. my collection. I remember just grabbing the. Um, I think it was the Silent Hill collection that was on PS3. Oh, uh, that's it just, an unfortunate right. Collection. And it just so happens the woman working there was a massive Silent Hill fan, and I was, and she was pretty too. So I let her right. explain Silent Hill to me and had a great conversation with her. But she was explaining to me how in the remaster they took out the fog, which kind of breaks the game a little bit. You know, because you're not supposed to be able to see stuff or it hurts the atmosphere. So they had to put fog in the game because of graphical limitations on PS2. But they took it out in the PS3 remaster. And it was like, oh. Something half like right? We'll go with half right. Uh, I don't know. But then she was telling me about how there's like puzzles where you have to under you have to know things from Shakespeare. And I'm like, oh, so it requires extrinsic knowledge. And she was like, sure, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I, I tried to tried to wow her with my advanced vocabulary. Uh, nerd. Um, what I was gonna say was, yeah, like like just to clarify some shit about that. Uh, Silent Hill Two has a lot of fog in it, but not per se for technical reasons. Generating fog on the PS2 in the way that Silent Hill Two does it is very cheap, computationally speaking. Okay. Uh, and. Basically, no one has ever been able to crack exactly how much fog should be presented in other versions. Like, the Xbox version of Silent Hill 2 came out two months later and has different amounts of fog. Not none fog, but less, but different amounts. Um, and it's, it's just generally just been a problem. Not helped by the fact that the reason, part of the problem that they had with uh, the HD collection and why they were having to just essentially make some educated guesses was because the version that they had the the they did not have the source code of the final game okay uh, i think i recall that now okay yeah konami was very bad with source control so they just had to use the latest version of the source code that konami happened to have on hand but uh, speaking of remake, DMC3 Special Edition OG DMC4 got delisted from Steam. Yeah, that was weird. I presume that... Like, my hope would be that they intend to start releasing the Switch version of DMC3 Special Edition on other platforms because that version is uh, mechanically uh, different and improved in the sense that, like, you can play it as it was originally released... Or you can play it in freestyle mode, where it functions more like DMC uh, 4 or 5, where you can just have Dante hot swap between weapons and uh, moves and like uh, styles uh, at will. Uh, and so like that version should be the version that everyone can play, because you can play it as it was originally released, or you can play it in freestyle mode. Uh, but currently that version's only on Switch. My hope is that this presages that they're going to be replacing the PC version with the better version. But, I mean, maybe that's just me being optimistic. Uh... They, um, Judas from the Bioshock creators... Uh... 
Yeah, we talked about that earlier, and it's like Ken Levine okay. announced that develop the that Ken Levine announced the produ that production company being put into place a full ten years ago, and oh. uh, at and somehow in the intervening ten years they finally arrived at we'll just make Bioshock again, <laughs> uh, which yeah, um, and then a Metro VR game like I don't care. Um, I think the Metro games really take the cake for mediocre games that, you know, maybe are still worth playing. Like, the first one had some jump scares, and but it's mm. like, I tried to play Metro Exodus several times, and I'm just like, okay, like, I get to the point where the train is stopped, and I gotta go into the village, and I'm trying to explore, and I, I, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to do, and... I have, like, no ammo, and I keep getting attacked by dangerous radioactive wildlife, and it's like, this is too much of, like, a survival game for me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Like, those games I would prefer to play on the lower difficulties, where you just have enough ammo to actually kill everything. Um, but yeah, so a, a Metro VR game does nothing for me, and... I still don't want to. Also, you buy don't want to buy a five hundred and fifty dollar <laughs> pair of VR goggles that only work on the PS Five. Uh, and, and funny thing is, is that this this Kotaku article that's talking about all these announcements has an ad for Vision Pro. Like, well, I'm not. It's like, if I'm not buying a PSVR, right? If I'm not going to buy a PSVR two headset, I'm sure as hell ain't going to buy Apple's overpriced garbage. I'm going to <laughs> like five thousand dollars. Thirty five hundred. Yes. <laughs> so I'm gonna I'm gonna briefly uh, cut into this to like like comment on oh, some of the hold weird. Oh, Sorry. Until dawn, getting ported to PS5 and PC. That's actually kind it was of exciting. Already coming out. On, it was already on PS4. You can already play it. I know, but <laughs> you but, but if it's got better graphics and stuff, it already looks like it already looks fine. <laughs> It was a pretty good-looking PS4 game, but if it fine. Um, actually, what's cool about what's cool about that game though is if you do play it on PS5, it's actually 60 frames per second. So maybe this port is not necessary. It already got patched. Until Dawn is basically like an interactive slasher movie. That uh, sounds fucking boring. It's it's like it's kind of a neat sort of game, but like this is another one of those like. I don't feel like like if you're just making the same game again, a game that already looked good, like it was, because one of the things about it was that like it was a really pretty looking game at the time because it it was kind of all directed. There was like it was already really nice looking. I don't fully understand the impetus to like rema remake remaster. I don't know what this is. Uh, it just feels weird. It just feels weird. Um, but yeah, so uh, one thing I wanted to cut in and say about P3 Reload while I've been watching Wheels uh, play it is that you can like, it's really weird to see a game that's trying to do a lot of the stylistic touches that Persona 5 has. But when you can see where they were like, okay, we're not going that far with this because that would be that would raise the amount of time and money spent to do it. So like when you see the uh, all-out attack 
The the cut-ins look nice, but the general look, the, the weight and uh, style just isn't quite there. Like the 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 way the the timing is off. Like I, I don't know how else to describe it. Like an, I I can only describe it in terms of like animation timing. Like it it just doesn't look as nice. It doesn't feel as nice. And I, I get that a lot when I look at this is that it's like it's adopted a lot of the aesthetic signifiers of Persona 5 but it's not to that level of polish and it sticks out in like a sore thumb in a really weird way uh, okay and to hit something on the big list so that we don't miss out on that uh, playing Elden Ring makes me want to ask if difficulty should be understood more than just metrics like HP and buffs, or would developers not do it because they don't want to make themselves busier? It, it really is just that the more complex that your uh, the changes between your difficulties, like the the hard, more work you're making for yourself. And a lot of companies would rather make one core difficulty and then just scale around it, with like just having testers go through it long enough to ensure that it's still beatable. Uh, because otherwise you kind of run, you run into some rough rough spots, some rough spots. Elden uh, Ring is all over the place. Um, as much as I love that game now, in hindsight, like you might remember at the time that I was playing it for the first time, like complaining a lot because, like, ninety yeah sure ninety percent of the game is optional but some of the late game mandatory bosses are just like what the fuck is this like who tested this what the fuck um that's what i thought anyways like there's that there's that late game boss who is basically like shonen zangief and he literally like does a spinning pile driver on you it's like that's stupid um i don't know <laughs> But yeah, what I, what I would say is that just like from software's solution has traditionally been to give you other options to modulate difficulty with like summons and various uh, other things that you can use, which is generally how they've tried to respond to this rather than having to create right. entirely new difficulty modes. Uh, simply because like they like to to really make a satisfying difficulty rebalance of one of the souls games you would have to rethink rethink like enemy patterns enemy placements boss patterns uh and that's just you're redesigning large swaths of the game at that point so like when you go um when you go from regular dark souls 2 to scholar of the first sin some major changes to enemy and item placement and it's like but I want the new graphics and performance, but with the old enemy and item placement, and that doesn't exist. You know, I tried it playing. Is, yeah, it, it is I, genuinely I, vexing that you can't play with the original enemy placement because I've harped on this point before, and I will again. There are like when the the first time you find basilisks in the original, the entire environment is built around hinting at what you're about to run into. But they show up earlier in the main in yeah. Scholar of the First Sin, so you never like the that entire area is kind of a non sequitur. You've already seen these. There's no need to build up to them in this fashion. Yeah, and then uh, well, then especially those hide knights. There used to be two in the entire game, 
Mm-hmm. And so, and Another they had a everywhere. <laughs> there was a small chance of them dropping some rare items, but there was only like two in the whole game. And then you get to, um, yeah, then you get to that area where, okay, I, you know, I pulled the switch or killed the boss. I did something, and now there's like ten of them instantly coming towards me. I'm like, that's not how they're supposed to act, and it makes the whole area much harder. Um, it's, yeah, Scholar of the First Sin has some real for super players energy in it. And then just the uh, the new um, petrified people that you have to unpetrify. It's like, what what is this doing here? Why are you doing this to me? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Just I tried to play the original Dark Souls 2 on Steam and then remembered, oh yeah, this is broken because... When they upped it to 60 frames per second in the PC port, your weapons degrade twice as fast. Every hit counts as two hits. Yeah. So your co- weapons are breaking, and it's like, oh, this isn't really playable. But yeah, like I said, the degradation is subtracted yeah. based on how many frames that your weapon spends within the enemy's hitbox. Okay, right. So it's like, like I said, gee, I really want to play the you know with all the bug fixes but i don't like the changes you made and then there's more of those like red i wonder if someone ever modded that to restore i wonder i mean the the beauty of of the fromsoft games that we're talking about is that you can always level grind your way out of it no matter how hard it gets but man like by the time I beat Elden Ring, I was so angry at the developers, like, just some of those late-game boss fights. You know? Now, yeah. so on New like Game it's... Plus, when I went to Star Scourge Radon, I, at that point, I knew that he was weak to Crimson Rot, and I had a Faith Arcane-based character with all the Dragon's Breath attacks, so yeah, on New Game Plus, I was able to blow through some of those enemies, but man, the first time you fight that guy, it's like, what do I even do? It's wild. So, anyways. Yeah, so this, it looks like a few people have tried to restore some of the uh, original enemy placement via mods, but it doesn't look like anyone's fully done it. Like there's 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 at least one mod that restores some of them, but not the majority of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm super tired, so it might be t- time for us to call it a night. So we hit something in the big the big list. Uh, great job. Uh, Wait, where is the big list? Can I access the big list? It's, I just have it in a Google Doc. I can probably throw it into... I can probably share the Google Doc, doc with everyone later. Okay. But... Um, let's see. Also, good night, Fireminer. Uh, so, to quickly run through the things we need to uh, talk up... Uh, since Gaijin is not here, please, we, we would request that you take a, take a look at, uh, what you call it, uh, Princesses of the Pizza Parlor, uh, available through Amazon via Kindle, Kindle Unlimited, or Dead Tree Format, as a print-on-demand. 
it is always uh, quite cheap to get hold of, and uh, it's good to support your friendly neighborhood podcaster slash author. Uh, you can find them by searching for Michael Yarimizu, Y-A-R-I-M-I-Z-U. And, uh, you know, if you, if you would like to uh, experience the joy of vicariously uh, watching, uh, vicariously experiencing someone else explore uh, tabletop games without uh, running the risk of your favorite Twitch streamer turning out to have uh, become some sort of sex monster at some point in the past uh, several decades, um, you know, maybe stick with the fictional uh, D&D players. You'll, you'll be happier, but uh, you know, give it, give it a look. It's a uh, it's, it's fun series. Uh, Joe, tell us where they can find you. Yes, I'm Twitch.tv/smokinjoegamer and YouTube smokinjoegamer at smokinjoegamer86. I actually was able to update it with a number. Um, hmm. So, yeah, those are. Uh, those are both active. Actually, I was just streaming yesterday and then again today, so I don't really have a set schedule. But for right now, I'm I'm trying to do Turbo Graphics Tuesdays, which oh, could also yeah. be, there's a lot of great Turbo games. Yeah, could also be Shoot 'Em Up Tuesdays. That has a nice ring to it. And gee, there's a lot of Shoot 'Em Ups on Turbo Graphics. So, so many. So many. So you played Blazing Lasers yet? Yes, I didn't. I, oh, I'll yeah. probably stream that one soon. But I did. Um, so for my first episode of Turbo Graphics Tuesday, it was the Soldier Blade games or, or Sol Star Soldier. I know Soldier, rather. Star Soldier, Soldier Blade. Yeah. So I did. Um. So I skipped regular Star Soldier because that's on NES, but I did Super Star Soldier, which is hard as fuck, and then did Final Soldier, and then a little bit of the <laughs> other one. Am I too late to the party? <laughs> We're we're just closing we're down. Closing I actually down. already plugged oh, the parlor. Also, parlor. also, we're echoing oh, okay. horribly. Okay. So, yeah, no, we we already talked yeah, about no, those princesses in that parlor. Oh, thank you. Yes. Um. Yes. So then, anyways, yeah. So the anyways, um. Yeah, I thought the, that um, final soldier. Uh, you're, you're echoing horribly. You're, you're echoing horribly. I'm not using my usual computer. You know what? I will just sign out now and see you guys next week. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No worries. Wrong computer. Uh, okay. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah turbo, turbo slash Mop Tuesdays. Yep, that's fine. And then. Um, oh, did you try uh, Star Paradier? Star Paradier? No. Um, yeah, you should, you should mix that in with Parodius when you play Parodius. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah, I gotta do Parodius. Why not? Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of the plan going forward is that's, that I'm going to do that. And then I might bring back Sega Saturdays as well. Sega. Um, I don't know. Like, I don't have a plan for February, but for March, I might do Mario March again. You know, just play Mario games for the whole month. Um, and But I'm trying to stream earlier, too. I'm trying to go to bed earlier, which, of course, I failed at tonight. But um, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, so I've done. So oh, that's not your fault. No, I'm, so I've done other. Um, yeah, so I'm trying to do like maybe six to eight or seven to nine, you know, instead of doing like later streams. So yeah, trying to stream Good earlier. Idea. I don't know if people can tune in or not. But then today, just on a whim, at ten o'clock, I was just playing some Sonic Origins and Sonic Two, and it was like, oh, all right, I'll just stream this. Why not? So that that can happen too. Sometimes I just on a whim, just like, oh yeah, I'm I'm already playing this. I'll just stream it. Why not? Um, 
so yeah, I was playing some Sonic today, and then, uh, you know, that's it, just, um, so try to, try to catch it, I guess, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday are my preferred days, and, you know, sometime between 6 and 9 o'clock, I would say, um, and I, I may have the webcam or not, I may have the headset or not, so whatever, and, mm. um, yeah, and, and I, I mean, I got everything all set up with that new computer monitor, so now, you know, I got dual screens again, and I can, you know... And now you can play DS games. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, man, uh, I don't know. Or, or I could do the, the Wii U emulator as well. Ah, uh, Simu. Simu, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, um... Anyways, yeah, that's all I got for you. Just, uh, you but you can also uh, follow me on Mastodon... And I am on the RP Gamer Discord server quite a bit now, and just chatting with people yeah. about various random things. Good to see you there. Yeah. So everyone, anyone who wants to ask us a question, could join the RP Gamer Discord. You can get find an invite there by going to the uh, community tab on RPGamer.com. You can ask us questions in the podcast section of the Discord. Uh, you can also ask us questions in the comments section underneath this very episode or any recent one. We'll find way to we'll find a way to make sure that we catch it. And uh, you can also ask us questions if you catch us in the chat when we're streaming, which is usually at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern Thursdays. Uh, that is Thursday going into Friday. Uh, but. Yeah, uh, otherwise, uh, I think that about wraps it up for us, though. So see ya, Space Cowboys. See ya.